0: Hello, this is Baron Not Broken, and I am your host, Bonnie Ruth, and I'm so excited for today's episode. I have my friend, um, Brandy, and she is the founder of the blog Not So Mommy and the creator of Childless Not By Choice Awareness Ribbon. And we met via Instagram, which is so cool. I love that. Um, And just have kind of been a part of similar communities and groups of women that are really just trying to advocate for and encourage um, and walk with um, women who are walking the story of childlessness, whether that be by choice or not by choice. And so um, I'm excited to have you today, Brandy. Um, Every time we've interacted, it's just been like such a pleasant, like encouraging conversation and Um, I know we follow each other and we champion each other very closely in um, the social media world. And for that, I'm so grateful. Um, But I just, I had Brandy come on because I feel like we have actually very similar stories um, and can relate to each other in a lot of ways in our stories. Yet everyone's story is different and all of our stories matter, but it's just been very encouraging to find someone who can relate to the amount of time in which Jason and I have walked our story and the way in which we've walked it with our spouses. And so I'm excited to have you, Brandy. (laughs) Thank you for being here.
1: Thank you. I'm very excited that you asked me to be here.
0: Yes. And I think one thing that I'll preface to the Bare Not Broken listeners is when we have people on and they share their story, what's so cool is it doesn't matter if you're a woman walking through infertility and still trying to conceive and grow your family, or you're a, a woman or a couple that is you know, chosen to live a child-free life, or maybe you're a couple who was faced with the decision that you didn't want to have to make to live a childless journey. It We can always learn from each other, and so I always like to encourage the listeners, like, take in what applies to your story, because I believe that every story matters. And even though all of our stories are very different, there is this ability to take just even one thing that can champion us in our own stories. So I hope as the listeners hear you today, that they'll do that. Um, But tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: My husband and I were married back in 2000. And then in 2003, we decided that it would be the perfect time to start growing our family. Mm. And so we started trying and nothing was happening and nothing was happening. So I believe it was a couple of years into trying when we had been unable to conceive um, that we started tracking my ovulation. Mm. And then we decided to go to an infertility specialist. Mm my OBGYN had told me that she thought everything was fine with me she did run a couple of tests um my tubes weren't blocked it seemed that i was healthy wow. but when we arrived at the infertility specialist and filled out the pages and pages of yeah right? he said that he thought i had endometriosis and that was the first time i had ever heard about that disease and so i had surgery That is the only way to 100% accurately diagnose endometriosis and found out that I do indeed have um, that chronic illness. And so I then went into medical menopause um, to try to get the endometriosis to settle as much as possible.
0: Which I'm not sure which is worse, like medical menopause or endometriosis. I'm not sure, girl. I'm not sure.
1: Well, I I (laughs) I will tell you. Yeah, when I was on Lupron and um, the final shot of Lupron, my husband was the one who encouraged me to take it. I remember he was in the hospital and had just had a major surgery oh. and I was supposed to be going for this final shot of Lupron and I was so miserable I
0: was yeah. hot
1: all the time. I had gained 15 pounds because the only thing that made me happy was chocolate shakes and <laughs> every day. Yeah. And I didn't want to do it. And and he said, you know, one more will get healthy and this will help us get pregnant. And that's the only reason I did it was I thought this is what's gonna allow us to have the baby that we want. Yep. Um, but seven rounds of IUI, we did intrauterine insemination later. I still wasn't able to conceive. Wow. So 10 years into our infertility journey, the day after Christmas. Mm. my husband asked if I would please accept our life the way it was being Mm. childless. Mm. And that was at the end of 2013. So at the beginning of 2014, I walked into trying to accept that we would never have a biological or adopted child. We had checked into many different types of adoption. Yeah. Nothing ever felt right for both of us. Yeah. And so, uh, so several years later, 2017, was when I started blogging and sharing um, my story, talking about wow. not only infertility, but also how, um, how I found a way to redefine momhood for myself, how I figured out a way to accept my infertility, mm-hmm. and to, honestly, at this point, I feel like I'm finally able to really embrace not just accept, but embrace my life being infertile, childless, yeah, (laughs) postmenopausal at only 44 years old. All of those things.
0: Yeah, girl. Okay. I I didn't realize I I had not heard the endometriosis part yet. So we even have that in common. Wow. We have like so many things that parallel. (laughs) Oh, I knew this, but hearing you say it again is just like, wow. Okay. Um, We also I also did Lupron and I only did three rounds of it um, because I was going to have another lap laparoscopy, um, which at that time I think was my third one. Um, And so we kind of paused the Lupron to do that. And I was supposed to go back to Lupron, but I call it loopy Lupron because I literally my stories on Lupron are insane. Like you would have thought I lost my love and mind, which I did. Um, One, I was horrible to be around. (laughs) I I was like so crabby. Um, And then I was very like, I was, when I did Lupron, I also took like six other medications alongside it. Um, And so between all of them, um, I was driving to work one day and I could not remember how to get to my work. That's real, right? I I had to pull over. And literally call my husband and be like, um, I'm on, I had to take an exit. It's this exit. I literally cannot remember how to get to work. And he's like, oh my gosh. So he comes and gets me. I left my car running three different times for like hours at a time. Like just left the keys in, got out, went into the restaurant. Like what? These are like common sense things. But no, I had no sense at all. Um, So I could. Yeah, to have, even just to walk through just the Lupron part, but to hear the rest of that and what you guys went through, like one, I think one thing I would love to get your perspective on is as you're making the decision, okay, you've, you've taken Lupron, then you step into all the infertility treatments and the decisions that come with that. How did you guys kind of navigate each one of, yes, we're going to do this. Yes, we're going to do that
1: we didn't really discuss Hey, we're going to make sure that we're both on the same page or that we both feel okay with this, but that's what happened. Yeah. So, you know, we, we talked about, should I have this surgery? Should I go on Lupron? You know, and we decided, yes, I, I needed to get healthy before yeah. we tried to do all of this. And, and then, you know, we did the intrauterine insemination and found out, you know, not only did I have fertility issues, but my husband had Okay. Fertility issues as well. Okay. So after three rounds of IUI, the doctor, it was three or four rounds, the doctor told us that, you know, it wasn't likely to work. And so Mm -hmm. he said that next steps would be either IVF, in vitro fertilization, or um, donor sperm. Now Mm -hmm. I remember sitting in the doctor's office. And I didn't even discuss with my husband this. I just said, no, we're not doing donor <laughs> sperm. Yeah. I was like, I want to have a child with my husband. And yeah. so that was just off the table for me. Yeah. Now, yeah. as far as IVF, we discussed it. My husband felt okay with in vitro okay. fertilization. I had reservations. Okay. Um, I asked the doctor, you know, what would happen with the, the fertilized embryos And this was back in the day where you even had to decide, you know, how many of these are, they would put in numerous. And so the doctor was like, you know, we don't like to put in more than three. And Dean and I were like, well, we don't want to do more than two because twins is all we could handle. Right. But, you know, when the doctor said that basically the embryos that we didn't implant, that they would, I mean, they would just let them die. Um, Yeah. That just, it didn't sit well with me. Yeah, and so because I was not comfortable with IVF, we didn't do it. Yeah, and then when we started looking into adoption, I was much more comfortable with adoption than my husband was. Yeah, when I say we looked into adoption, we looked into domestic, yeah, international through the foster care system, and we even looked into embryo adoption. That was the one we got closest to. Okay, that and and through the foster system. Okay. But my husband did not want to tell the child that they were not biologically related to us.
0: Mm -hmm. And so
1: I was okay with that. Yeah. And then I was, I was a teacher at the time and I was in the hallway and these science teachers were complaining that they couldn't do um, this lab Mm -hmm. because it was a genetics lab. And there was a concern that a child might figure out that they were adopted and didn't know that, that was
0: oh, yeah.
1: yeah so I told Dane I said you know this is too much like we can't yeah. do this they're going to be filling out paperwork you know when they go to the doctor and they're going to be telling them about their parents but not their biological parents yeah. so you know at the end of the day we just, we just kept, and I say talking. I mean, this is years later. Sometimes it was yelling, crying, yeah, yeah,
0: not understanding. <laughs> that's real, <laughs> you know.
1: Um, but somehow we were communicating. Yeah, that's a great word. Level.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's a great word for it, and I think that's so. I, I love that you just said that because um, I definitely value being real on this podcast, and those those conversations, I mean, I don't care how good your relationship is. Those are testers that are very difficult to navigate. And I tell my husband all the time, like, I'm not yelling at you. I'm just yelling because I'm so mad or I'm so disappointed or I'm so, but like, I'm yelling, you know, I'm, I'm yelling at him, but it's not him. And, and sometimes it was him. And so I think there's a real sense of like, Um, authenticity to what you just said of when you're navigating these kind of conversations, I feel like there's, there's not a, a book or a guide that can really even, even if there was, I don't think it would be helpful in the sense that um, we're all different. We have different personalities. My husband and I, are both very strong personalities. We both are choleric. We're like high D on the disc test. You know, like we we both are like on the same level of intensity and typically on very different things, different sides of whatever we're talking about. And so you can imagine like, it's not a quiet conversation ever, first of all, but secondly, when you're navigating these things, there's so many pitfalls that you don't even know to prepare for. And when you're having the conversation that you're both dealing with, you know, questions like, do we want to tell a child that they've been adopted or not? Like, that's just big stuff. That's heavy weighted stuff. And it it's decisions that you're having to make now for, for 10, 15, 20 years from now. So, um, I just appreciate that you guys Um, share the fact that you communicated. I'm going to start using that. I think that's a good way to say it. Um, What do you think was a a moment in time that you guys or a moment in this process that you guys really felt like, okay, we're not on the same page, but we're going to walk together in this and kind of what did that look like? Because it sounds like you guys are, are similar to us in that like, sometimes we'd be on the same page, and then sometimes we'd be on opposite pages, and then sometimes we might agree, but we're, one of us isn't ready kind of thing. So how did you guys, in those moments, like, how did you kind of settle in? Or did you, you know, I think it's real that sometimes we don't, you know what I mean?
1: When he asked if I would accept mm. us not having children, because I was under the impression that we were on the path to adoption. Okay, and that we would be adopting. I knew that infertility treatments were done. We had agreed that we weren't yep. doing any more infertility treatments. Okay. But we had gone to some adoption meetings. We had filled out the adoption paperwork and I thought that was our path. Okay. And it was confusing to me that we would spend 10 years trying to have a child to, in my mind, just give up. I mean, yeah you know, why would you spend 10 years trying to do something? And I'm a, I'm very much a planner My yeah. husband works through a process. I like to have a plan and the plan was we were going to adopt. Yeah. And I would, you know, the plan of infertility treatments that didn't work. So that yeah. was already irritating.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: So I also, I didn't understand why he didn't want to have a baby with me. That was very mm-hmm. upsetting. Mm. Um, so like I said, he, he said this to me on December 26th, we were, um, at his sister's house, staying in my niece's bedroom. Yeah, That was one of those times where, (laughs) I I mean, I, I have a feeling they heard everything we said. I, you know, you feel like you're trying to keep your voice down, but I'm not sure that that's really what happened. Yeah. So I took a moment, you know, by the time we got home yeah. and everything. And yeah, and I really tried to listen to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that next year we yeah. had moved. I was at a new job
0: Oh wow! and
1: um, you know, he was ready. He was ready to let go and move on. And I wasn't quite ready. And so I remember sitting in my classroom one day I was on my planning period and I was struggling And my assistant principal who did my observations, who, you know, uh, this, again, this was a new job, came in, asked me if I was okay, um, you know, and I really, I didn't want to share all this with her. I didn't know her that well, but she really seemed interested and I needed somebody to talk to. So I, I told her the very quick version and she asked me, a question and she looked at me and she said would you rather have a husband and no baby or a baby and no husband
0: mm-hmm. and I
1: had already thought about that question yeah uh, and I told her that I said I've already thought about that and I would rather have a husband no yeah baby. and so she said then you gotta let it go you've made okay. a decision and when your mind starts going you need to remind yourself that yeah. you have decided that you would rather have your husband yeah that's yeah. a turning point um yeah for my i I stopped i stopped just thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and analyzing it and yes i'm childless not by choice yeah however i think sometimes some people outside of all of this think childless by choice because yes i i mean i could have done this by myself i could have divorced my husband and adopted yeah um but I knew, for me, I didn't want to have a baby. Yeah. I wanted to have a baby with my husband. Yeah. And so even if I would have adopted by myself, yeah. I think I constantly would have been thinking about what a great dad he would have been, and something yeah. would have still been missing.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think what's um, key in what you just shared is, you know, you up to this point, you guys had been married. How long at that point?
1: Um. 13
0: years. Yeah. So you've spent 13 years building that relationship. And yes, that 10 years of also trying to have, have a, build your family, but like, you've also been spending 13 years building you two. And I think that's something that sometimes we can get so caught up in, um, this desire, which is not a wrong desire. It's not, it's, there's nothing bad to it. Right. Um, to have a child or to, you know, adopt or whatever it might be. But I think we sometimes don't slow down enough or we minimize the fact that we've been building a family the whole time. Yeah. And it, it's so interesting to me to, to hear you talk about uh, talk about it in that way because I think it's so important that any couple that is going through this or maybe they're not to that phase yet – Um, maybe they're like on the verge where they're like, man, should we just like no longer do this? And that's a real, you come to that point at some point, you know, um, whether that be like you said, okay, we're going to do IVF. We're not going to do IVF. We're going to keep trying. We're going to adopt. There's a, there's something to decide at every turn when you're on this path. But the one thing that I think I hear you saying is you still kept choosing each other, and to me, that's the first family right there. Like, that's the family foundation. And you've you've spent so many years building it, you know? And so I just commend you for, um, and, and again, everyone's story is different. We're just, we're honed in on yours right now. So I want people, I don't want anyone to feel condemned or judged if they weren't able to continue in that. But I do, I do want everyone to hear that are still in this process, like, give that a go first. You know, give it a try to go back to just the foundation of what your family unit looks like. And that was you and your husband. And so I think that's really cool that you were able to see that as you're making this decision. And and yeah, we say childless, not by choice. And I've had so many people like ask me the dumb question of, well, if you're childless, not by choice, like, but you chose it, like you had to make a choice. And I'm like, okay, but really, do you want me to explain that? Those who say that, I'm not sure that they believe what want
1: to
0: understand. No, exactly. Exactly. It's very argumentative. And and even sometimes I've asked myself, like, do I want to say it like that? Because I ended up having to make a choice to have the hysterectomy. Mm -hmm. But I still didn't want I was forced to make a decision that I did not want to make. So I think that's where it differs. But That's its own, that could be its own podcast, if we're being honest. Um, but I, I think that's just a really powerful moment for you of, even though you weren't on the same page, you still chose each other in the way in which you needed to. And, um, I think it's a pivotal point that every couple comes to on this journey. And for, for Jason and I, we have always said like, we're team Rolf and we come first And we had to decide that really early on one with like family or friends or life or jobs or whatever, like we come first, but in this whole like infertility, walking through all the things that we have trying to build a family, you know, we just kept saying like, okay, when it comes down to the end of this thing, no matter what, like, do we choose each other? And so we just, kind of tried to do that in each section of this process. And I say section because I feel like you kind of break it up into timelines or you break it up into, you know, what chronic illness was I dealing with at the time, what surgery, um, what medication. And so for us, we just kept asking that question. And so I would encourage, um, and I hope couples are listening, that each part of your journey, like find a moment in which you choose the original family. And, and navigate that for yourself. So, I don't think anyone can tell you what that looks like or how you navigate that, but definitely find a way to choose that original foundation of family and, and reevaluate like, what are you really going after? Because for women like us who have come to that decision, you know, I was a little bit on the other side where I had to come to my husband and say, like, okay, Like, I can't do this anymore. And not that he was asking me to, but I just kept pushing or I kept waiting or I kept saying, well, maybe, you know, the endometriosis will get better or whatever. Um, Maybe the fibroid will shrink if I do this or that, you know. And, you know, all along the way, he's like, you have to choose. It's your body. Like, I'm with you. We both wanted a family. But, you know, he was constantly like it's your choice. You tell me, you tell me when you're done. And, um, I wasn't done, but I had to say I was like, there's still been a whole, I mean, I'm a year and a half past my, which is crazy past my hysterectomy. And I think we're in a phase now where we're, we're good with the choice that we've had to, to make. Um, and navigating the decisions that we had to that put us into a childless life. Um, But we are still in the phase of, there's a lot of empty space that we don't know how to fill. Like yesterday, we both got off work and we were like, kind of in moods. And I'm like, there's literally nothing today that's happened to put us in a mood. Like, why are we in mood? And we just felt like, uh, and like, kind of just like, Not unhappy, because I think sometimes we attach that to too many moments, but we just felt unsettled. And really what it came down to is we both felt all the empty space yesterday, the emptiness of our home, the emptiness of our schedule, um, the emptiness of conversation, or maybe the hustle and bustle of the season. And so we had made, this is dumb, it's very minor, but it's real in this process, so maybe you can relate, is we had made plans to make tacos for dinner. And I'm like, we're going out for dinner. Like, we're going out for dinner. We need to get out of this house. We need to go and fill the empty space with random strangers in a restaurant. <laughs> and so we did. And, you know, kind of how how did you guys um, or how are you? I know you guys are a little bit ahead of us in that decision making process. So I think what I always look to you and, and, and glean from you is like you're ahead of me in this like settling in, which is, I say that it sucks that I have to settle in, but I do. So you're a little farther ahead of me. How did, how have you guys navigated kind of filling that empty space or those moments like we had last night?
1: We adopted Maddie um, six months before my husband asked if we would just accept a childless life. Okay. And so the first thing I did was just like went full-on dog mom (laughs) so I am that person who posts a thousand pictures of Maddie um her name name is Madeline because that is what we wanted to name our little girl since we weren't Mm going to get to use that name we used it for her some people may think that's kind of strange but I wanted to use it and so we did exactly Uh, you know and and uh so everything I mean the birthdays the easter baskets the christmas presents all of it i do it with with her and luckily dane is an overzealous dog dad as well he does not roll his eyes at any of it i love it
0: i love that um, yeah
1: we we bought a fixer-upper about almost six years ago okay and as we started um remodeling this home this was the first home that we ever really had where it was we knew that we were not going to have a biological or adopted yeah. child and so we were able to create spaces for us that's and awesome. Under, underneath the stairs was just open and it wasn't being used and so we created a bar area for my husband and we created a little bed for Maddie um I it's love a three, that. Be- three bedroom home we don't need three bedrooms so yeah. one of the rooms we turned into what we call our snug two recliners TV on the wall, you know, Maddie's toys are in there. Yeah. We love to drink hot tea. We have a tea cabinet with a million kinds of tea. Um, so we just really started doing things just for us. Yeah. You know, me, Dane, Maddie. Um, We did in 2015, we had the opportunity to host a foreign exchange student. We took that opportunity. That's awesome. Um, she was with us for six months. And to this day, we have a relationship with her. We Skype. Um, once the pandemic is completely over, we'll get her back here to visit. Yeah. And so, you know, that was another way that I redefined momhood for myself. Because it's, it's funny because I, I said, okay, I'll accept that we're never going to have an adopted or biological child, but I will not accept that I will never be a mom.
0: That's good. I love that
1: but how is that going to be possible? Right. right.
0: Well, yeah. I'm a dog mom.
1: I'm yeah. a host mom. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. and Dane's been really good at telling me, like, it doesn't matter if the rest of the world thinks you're a real mom or not. Like, yeah, knows you're her mom. I know you're Maddie's mom. Yeah. Um, and all that matters is that we know that this family of ours is authentic and real Yeah. us. Yeah. Um, and you know, we we just celebrated 21 years of marriage and we chose to go to Disney World. So Why awesome. would a childless couple choose to go to Disney World? But we love it there. <laughs> and, you know, we we watched the fireworks over the castle and yeah. ate our way through Epcot. And <laughs> you
0: know,
1: I mean, we had, we had a lot of fun. We had a blast. Yeah. And honestly, it is one of the first times when I did not, there was not one time where i felt a pang of i wish yeah um it was honestly it was just enjoying time with each other and if anything i was like god i'm glad that i don't have to deal with yeah the exhausted little one and you know stuff right. like that
0: yeah i was just
1: focusing on us and yeah. finding the the good and the bright side um yeah. so yeah you just you figure out um what you love and yeah. and you do it
0: that's awesome and yeah you
1: don't you don't let the kind of like you guys you don't let the empty overtake if you need to get out then get out and, yeah you know yeah do something else change change it up so that you yeah. can figure out a way to to find the joy that you're searching for.
0: That's so good. I love that. I think, um, that's really helpful for me. And just like hearing someone else, even if maybe the things that fill the empty spaces are different. Mm -hmm. I think what's important is that you guys have taken steps continually. Um, and that looks different in every, you know, it's a home it's that you're remodeling. It's your dog. It's your, you know, when you're a a teacher, it's your students, you know, it's it's your foreign exchange you're putting into other people's lives. And I think that's really important. That's something that we, um, so my husband and I, we were pastors for 18 years. And so I think why we're feeling so much empty space is we've transitioned from that and and put our ministry into a different capacity. And so now we're like, we don't have 30 people at our house at multiple times in a week, or, you know, we're not at an event with hundreds of people all the time. And so for us, we're just like, oh, whoa, like this was a lot more space to fill. It's not just not having children for us. It's life change. And so I think anyone listening, if there's a major life changer, something major has been removed from the rhythm of your life, um, let yourself grieve that, like give yourself space to feel it. Sometimes I, I, I think the, I love what you use the word, like, don't let it overtake you, But I think what I heard is you guys still had the the sense, the weightiness of feeling it, but you didn't let it overtake you. You kept moving forward. You didn't let it stop you. And I think that really can relate to anything in our our lives. Um, One thing about barren, not broken is there can be many different barren places in our lives. Barrenness in our marriage, our relationships, maybe it's a life change and there's this emptiness now. And so um, we really talk a lot about that on here of it doesn't matter what area of life it is. If there's um, barren places, empty places, like allow there to be the grief, but then don't let it overtake. And so I really appreciate you saying that. I think um, for Jason and I, we are probably feeling a lot of different empty spaces, families moved away, you know, so we're just like smack dab and a whole lot of empty (laughs) and, but it's forcing us to figure out what we want to fill that space with. And it's honestly the first time in our almost 21 years of marriage that we have actually had that opportunity, like a blank canvas to just fill it with what we want. Um, And so for example, this year, first time ever, we told our families, we're not Like, it's just us this holiday, which is the weirdest year of all to do it when there's like so much emptiness. I'm kind of regretting it. But yet I feel like it's really important. You know, like, I don't know if you ever had one of those moments where you're like, this feels awful, but yet it feels so right. And I'm like right smack in the middle of that. I'm like, really? The holidays? That's when we want to choose to be by ourselves, you know? Um, But we are because I think we we felt like we kind of needed to feel it um, in order to discover what we want to fill it with. Otherwise we're just going to keep letting life or people. And I'm sure you guys have had this where people have thrown they, Oh, you should do this. Oh, you should do this. Or, you know, um, but I love that. I think that's very helpful for my own journey. So thank you for sharing that.